Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. God set the church in the world, and the idea is that he would be able to point people to and say, here's the way it's supposed to be. But when we reject people who aren't part of our race or part of our culture or part of our social class or something like that, when we shun them, when we fail to welcome them, then guess what? We are sending the wrong message. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Acts, chapter 10, verses 1 through 20, and chapter 11, verse 18, in a message titled, The Gospel is for Everyone. Now, here's Pastor Brian. He had no favorites as between one nation and another or one race and another, but any person who feared him and acted rightly was accepted by him no matter what nation they belonged to. So what Peter essentially said was, God's attitude to people is not determined by any external criteria such as their appearance, race, nationality, or class. Instead, and positively, God accepts people from every nation who fear him and do what is right. So this is the explosion that's taking place right here. And forever opening the door for the gospel to go to all people. Now, think about this. This is 2,000 years ago. And this was a, like I said, this was a revolutionary revelation for Peter. And it it completely altered the landscape in the the first century when it comes to relationships between nations and, and different races and people groups and all of that. It completely altered it. Everybody coming into the church in those days after this period of time, and especially because of Paul's influence who really got this stuff, everybody knew this. So here's something to think about. How is it that in the 20th century, how is it in the 19th century, how is it that even in the 21st century today, how is it that we still allow our cultural prejudices, and sometimes that even includes racial prejudices, how do we sometimes allow that to prevent us from embracing, connecting with, loving, serving together with the people of God? It just goes to show you how ingrained these things can become in our lives. And it also shows us that we've got to work hard to make sure that this stuff gets rooted out. Now, when you think about it, okay, this this stuff is so ingrained in their culture that when Peter, when they hear the news about the Gentiles, when Peter goes back to Jerusalem, we read the the account there. What happened? They're just looking at him like, is it true? We heard this. Is it really possible you went into the house of uncircumcised men? You you ate with these people? And Peter's like, God told me to. You know, what, what was I supposed to do? And then as he rehearses the whole thing, look, I preached to them. I'm preaching the gospel to them, and God baptized them in the Spirit. Who was I to say, no, God, you can't do that. They haven't become Jews yet. 
But that's how ingrained they were in that, or how entrenched they were in, in that mentality that they had. And we can be just like that today. We can let something from our tradition, we can let something that's a cultural thing, we can let that affect how we relate to people, how we connect with people. And if there's a, a lesson here, there's many, but if there's one lesson that stands out, it's that we have to fight against all of that stuff constantly. And I think it's interesting that this is so important, a message that it's repeated twice, back to back. It, have you noticed, if you've if you read through, it's like, I mean, chapter 11, the first 18 verses literally are just a, a verbatim, word for word, repeat of what was recorded in chapter 10. You think, well, why did Luke have to record it twice? Well, the Holy Spirit through Luke knew that we needed to hear it at least twice. We need to hear this stuff over and over and over again because it is our tendency to, to get entrenched in these traditional kinds of things, these, these cultural things that then cause us to be separated from people that we're supposed to be connected with. And like I said, this has happened over and over again. As we all know, um, Dr. Billy Graham, uh, one of the great men of the 20th century, undoubtedly, one of the greatest. Um, but one of the things that's been coming out, you know, we're living in a, in a highly charged racial kind of a thing currently. And there's a lot of talk, you know, in, in the culture about race relations and issues and all of that. And Billy Graham, in his day, especially back in the, the 50s and 60s, he was, well, first of all, he was extremely courageous, but he was also highly criticized because he would not allow uh, segregation at his crusades. And in certain parts of the country, segregation was just the way it was. But, but Billy took a strong stand against that. Later, he would say that he wished he had even taken a stronger stand. But, but for the time and the context, he really did take a strong stand. And so it's, it's a very real problem in the 21st century, just like it was back in the days of the apostles. But it's a wall that, that God has broken down. He broke it down a long time ago. And God help us not to build these walls. But you know, it, it's not just race. I mean, sometimes it's more cultural types of things. You know, back in the, the, the 60s and 70s, when God began to do a, a work in this region, other places as well, but I'll just stick to this region here. And We've all heard the stories about the hippies, and some know the story firsthand because you, you lived it. But you know, when, when the hippies started coming to Christ, you know that many, many, many churches, their mentality was lock the doors. Don't let these people in. Because you know what had happened at, the, at that time uh, with much of the church 
in, in the mind of many people, the church in those days was, it was a place where the good people went. And the hippies were, you know, they were dirty and they were unkept and, you know, they, they weren't tidy. And, you know, back then everybody knew that, that cleanliness was next to godliness. And so we can't let these filthy teenagers in here. I mean, seriously, that was, that was the mentality. But there had developed a culture. It's a cultural thing within the church. And this is how you were to dress. And this is how you were to look. And uh, you were accepted based on all of these external things. So when God starts doing something like he did here with uh, Cornelius, he just, he's saving these people. When God starts saving these hippies, the church is also all the sudden faced with a real challenge. What are we going to do with this? And like I said, many churches just said, we're not going to let this happen here. We're not going to let these, you know, these, these filthy hippies come in. And so, you know, what Billy Graham did in the, in the race context, uh, in many ways, Pastor Chuck and others, uh, just a handful of others, really, they did that same thing on more of a cultural level when they said, no, we're going to open the doors we're going to let them come just as they are. We're not going to give them uh, you know, some kind of an external requirement that they have to meet, like they've got to dress a certain way or they've got to have bathed or they've got to cut their hair. Or, uh, but these were huge things. And the assumption on the part of many people at the time is if you look like that, then you obviously were not a Christian because Christians don't look like that. Especially on a Sunday, they don't look like that. All I'm saying is that these kinds of things just, they continue to resurface and they continue to repeat themselves throughout history. And therefore, we must continue to fight against that, those prejudices and those kinds of things. And we have to fight against them in our own heart. Because there's no more hippies around. I mean, there's a few holdouts, you know, still. <laughs> you see them every now and again. Uh, but, there, but there's another group of people or several groups of people that are, are like that. They're viewed like that. They're, they're seen by Christians as those are people that we don't want any association with. We don't want to go to dinner at their house. And we certainly aren't going to have them over to our house. And we really don't even want them coming to our church. That still exists, my friends. And it's something that we have to recognize and it's something that we have to fight against because it's just so uh, a part of the, the fallen condition of every one of us that, it, that it's hard to root that out. And so as we even would just kind of, just even privately think, man, are there, are there areas of prejudice in my life? Are there people that I'm just disgusted by or people that I just couldn't imagine, you know, having to, to get, you know, close with at all, or, you know, is, is there something like that? And if there is, we have to say, God, help us, help us to recognize that, uh, you know, you, you tore these walls down a long time ago. You sent your apostles to cross these borders ages ago. Uh, help us not to, you know, if we've rebuilt the walls, help us to tear them down again. But help us as the days go on, help us not to build those walls, but to remember that the gospel, the gospel, what, what was really being seen here and will be seen even more the further we go now into the story, now that we've crossed 
over the, the boundary into the, the realm of the Gentiles. Now, Cornelius was, you know, he was kind of a good Gentile because he was a God-fearer. But the next phase, we're going to see that Gentiles who are idolaters, Gentiles who are immoral and, and impure and downright wicked, they are the next group that starts to be brought into the church. And that had its own challenges then, just like it has today. So the, the gospel is to go out to everyone. The gospel is for everyone. Now, there are a few things that I want to just kind of step away for a second from what we're talking about here. There, there are a few things in this passage that I want to point out to us, things that we learn from the passage that I think are important to point out. So number one is this. It's not related so much to what I was just saying, but I'll come back to that. But, but it's this. It is not enough to believe in God, pray, and do good works. I say that because a lot of people think that that's good enough. They say, oh, well, you know, that person, no, they're not a Christian, but, you know, I know they believe in God, and they tell me that they pray. That's not good enough. And we should never imagine that it is good enough. If that were good enough, then Cornelius never would have been directed to send for Peter. You see, he would have been fine. I mean, after all, the guy's a, the guy's a pagan who now is a, is a worshiper of the true God. But yet, he still had not come into the place that he needed to come into. And so the angel said to him, send for Peter. He's going to come and he's going to tell you words by which you must be saved. And so we have to remember that in our day as well. When there's strong pressure from certain quarters to just, you know, oh, leave, leave that you know, those, those Hindus are fine over there. They, you know, they, they've got their own beliefs, but they're sincere. And of course, God understands that and he's going to take that or those Buddhists or those Muslims or those Jews or whatever the case might be. Not so. The second thing, and it's connected right to that, it's only through faith in Jesus Christ that a person can be saved from sin and judgment. So, you know, again, as Peter comes what does he do? He just takes them right to Jesus. They're all sincere. They're all God-fearing. They're all people who are praying and doing good works. But Peter makes a beeline for Christ. And he walks them right through the, the, the ministry of Christ. He, God uh, anointed Jesus who went about doing good, delivering all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him, but then he was crucified. But then God raised him from the dead. But then he's going to be the one. God has ordained him to be the one to, to be the judge. He, he actually is pointing to the second coming. So we see through this that the gospel is absolutely essential. And here's the thing that we all need to understand. God will always get the gospel to those who are ready to receive it. Some people have in their mind the idea that there are, there are somehow going to be people that didn't make it to heaven because the missionary got a flat tire. Some guy actually wrote that in one of his books. And, and that's his idea, you know, that, that, you know, I mean, he was criticizing that idea, which 
I would agree with that point, not as other points, but, but that, that's never going to happen because God is more interested in saving people than people are in getting saved. <laughs> and God is more interested in saving people than you are in seeing people get saved. And wherever there's a person on the face of the earth, whether they're in the, the largest city or the most dense jungle or the most barren desert, wherever they are, if there's anybody that's wanting to know God, guess what? God's going to get somebody to him, just like he got Peter to Cornelius. Peter didn't even know Cornelius existed the day before. Peter had no idea there was a Roman centurion in Caesarea, 32 miles up the road that had been visited by an angel, but God put the whole thing together and that's what God does. I will never forget learning this lesson many, many years ago when um, I was teaching a, a small Bible study here, probably 1980, 1981, and this young guy, probably close to my age at the time, he came and he joined the Bible study. And I, it was obvious that he was a foreigner, his accent and everything. And uh, I discovered in conversation that he was from Indonesia. And after a while, we got to know each other a little bit. And so one day I was having a conversation with him and I just wanted to know his story. Like, how did you become a Christian? And his story was very interesting. He said, well, actually, I was raised in Indonesia as a Muslim. And he said, and, you know, there was a, a, just a period of my life where I, I was really, I, you know, I was wanting to know God, but I, I just came to the conclusion that Islam was not the way, the way that I was going to uh, discover God. And it wasn't because he thought that Christianity was a good alternative. He did, he'd never even really heard of Christianity at the time. But this was where he was at. He was, had this longing in his heart to know God. He had already concluded that Islam wasn't the means to do it. And then he gets an opportunity to immigrate to the U.S. So he comes to the U.S. And to make a long story short, in the course of his time here, he comes to faith in Jesus. So this is what he said to me. He said, God took me from Indonesia and brought me to America so I could hear the gospel and become a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, he told me that. I didn't put the, those pieces together. But that's, that's how he understood it. And, but I remember him telling me that, and I remember thinking, yeah, that's what God does. It's, it's, a, it's a Cornelius Peter kind of a situation, just a different context. So let's know that that's the truth of the matter. There, there's nobody out there that's, you know, because the accusation is that God is unfair. There's all these people that would have gotten saved, but they never heard the gospel. No, God knows who will receive the message and he will get the message to them. And that, of course, is why people get sent to the mission field. That's one way that that kind of thing happens. Now, just a couple more things real quick. Um, what this story tells us, again, is that the gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. There's, God shows no partiality. There's no favoritism. There's no one, you know, anything of people that God has 
preference for. The gospel is for everyone. We are all equally lost. We are all equally loved. And when we receive salvation through Christ, we are all equally God's sons and daughters and his servants, regardless of our race, our nationality, our culture. Those things don't matter. And one of the one of the things about the church that we have to understand, and this is where the church is really, I think, tragically, mistakenly lost the plot. It is where we fail to see God's plan to take all peoples and integrate them together in one family. That's one of the witnesses of the gospel, you see. And, and when the church has become segregated, whether it's racially or it's, you know, by class or, or maybe it's culturally or whenever that kind of segregation happens, it sends the wrong message to the world. It sends the opposite message of what God intends to send. Uh, we live in a fractured world, right? We, li- we live in a world where there's all kinds of division over so many different things. God set the church in the world, and the idea is that he would be able to point people to it and say, here's the way it's supposed to be. But when we reject people who aren't part of our race or part of our culture or part of our social class or something like that, when we shun them, when we avoid them, when we fail to welcome them, then guess what? We are sending the wrong message to the world. God wants to use his church. And this is a, in many ways, it's a strategic time for us, the church, to really rise to the occasion in this area. And that's why I said earlier that we all have to continually check our hearts and have the spirit check our hearts. Is there some prejudice that's come in? Is there some bias that's come in? Is there some preference that's come in where I am actually going to push people away that God is wanting to draw to himself. God help us not to do that. So let's take the gospel everywhere God intends it to go. And where does he intend it to go? Everywhere. Let's take it everywhere. And in doing so, we're going to cross boundaries. And at certain times and in certain places, it's going to be radical. It's going to take courage, like it did for Billy Graham, to stand up in his day, like it did for Pastor Chuck to stand in his day. It wasn't the popular position to take, but it was the right position to take. And so we, as God's people at this time, let's remember this. The gospel is for everyone. That wall was broken down two millennia ago. And so if we've, if we've built new walls, let's just tear them down. And let's make sure that our doors and our hearts are open to all of those that might come in, that they would know when they pass through the doors that God loves them and that he accepts them and wants to bless them. And we can go a long way to communicating that simply by the way we respond. And Peter passed the test here. He did a great job. He 
said, man, this is against everything I know. God told me to do it. And so I'm going to do it. For the month of April, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled 10 Questions Every Teen Should Ask and Answer About Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. Teens today are faced with challenging questions about the Christian faith. How can they believe that the Bible is true? Who cares if you're a boy or a girl? Isn't love just love no matter what? In her book, 10 Questions Every Teen Should Ask and Answer About Christianity, Rebecca McLaughlin addresses these and other questions that teens ask themselves or are confronted with. If you're a parent, grandparent, guardian, or friend, this book will make an excellent gift for a tween or teen to help them tackle the challenging questions of this generation. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order 10 Questions Every Teen Should Ask and Answer about Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.